0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Brony Music History. Few musicians can claim to have both released their first Brony Remix in April 2011, and still be contributing to the beating heart of the fandom today. Co-running the Mumble Etc. record label with Koa, his many aliases span the full breadth of musical styles, with a staggering level of diversity from soft chill-out to metal, hardcore and electro. He's performed at multiple Summer Sun celebrations at Buck, TrotCon, and the baseball at Winnie City PonyCon. As well as Mumble Etc, he's contributed to Balloon Party, Pink Amita Party, and Ponies at Dawn, as well as taken part in many Toastbeards and Mumble Wars. From the UK, please welcome General Mumble. Hello, please welcome me. You are very, very welcome. Um, how are <laughs> you, you doing? Uh, I just woke
1: up, but it's a nice sunny day and I think I'm doing pretty good. That is
0: great to hear. Uh, we
1: just. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good. It is uh, 11 at night. Um, and I have work in six hours. Uh, oh, good. but that is, that is the, the wonderful benefits of the internet and, uh, the many things it allows us to do. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get cracking. Um, so shy fire asks, um, how did you come to find an interest in music and where did, where did it all start for you? Well, I mean, that basically takes me back, like,
1: 20 years to my childhood. Um, (laughs) I won't bore you with every detail, because I don't remember them as well, but I started, like, plodding around with making music when I was probably, like, nine, when I got one of those EJ CDs in um, Came Free With Some Cereal. (laughs) Um, And I, (laughs) I would just, like, you know... In the same breath as having a friend over to play video games, we'd just pop open EJ and make some stupid crap for a couple hours. And it's not very good. It's also still out there to listen somewhere. Oh, wow. Um, And then, yeah, over the course of my teenage years uh, with the same friend, I got in a band and a couple other people. Um, I didn't get in a couple other people. I got in a band with them. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) yeah. And then uh, eventually in early... 2010 i uh started making music by myself just using a you know fl studio and um that's where it all sprouted as far as like the current general mumble project
0: goes and so you started general mumble as a duo um <clears throat> correct so, and, with the same friend i mentioned and that was before pony right
1: yeah just about um it was in april 2010 uh, as i said but the duo thing didn't last super long um with the same friend that I made music with growing up. Uh, he was the one who showed me FL, and then uh, we made a couple of stupid things, and then he went off to university. And I basically just said, hey, can I continue using this name? Because it was just a crappy hobby back then. It wasn't anything of any notoriety. So uh, he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And uh, I continued by myself.
0: Yeah, okay. And so you were coming in with a background in making music, but definitely not at any, I guess, professional (coughs) level. Mm -hmm. Um, What led you to Pony? Uh,
1: So my partner at the time um, knew my music. Uh, I had showed her a few of the things that I had done and, you know, she enjoyed them. And uh, before I even knew that the show existed, she suggested that I remix something from the show, and I was like, hmm, okay, uh, go on, give me something to remix. And uh, she was like, okay, try remixing Winter Wrap Up. So I did that, and uh, it got picked up by uh, a couple people in the fan. I don't know if Equestria Daily it was did. around then. It I did. Think. It was uh, your first it feature did. on Equestria Daily. Yeah, uh, that was entirely out of the blue for me i didn't really know what was going on <laughs> and uh that picked up some views for it like m- much more than my you know secular stuff had done so um i Those... checked it out and i was like what's all the fuss about
0: bit, bit of a wow this is doing numbers moment
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much and i didn't you know i didn't hop in because like oh this is gonna get me clout it was just like okay well this seems to be a big deal so i you know
0: Did you, um, see many other people making pony music at the same time? Like after, after you sort of had that initial, uh, you know, look around, um, did you see anyone else that was cracking along?
1: Yeah. Um, so it really didn't take long. Obviously I didn't know anything about like the pony music scene before I had made the thing, but as soon as I got like that feature and the views and I got, you know, acquainted with the show and stuff, It didn't take long for people to just sort of start talking to me. Um, And then I had a foot into a community of other music uh, people. And there were like uh, sites being set up for, you know, full of forums for people to share uh, and talk about the music they're making. And it just kind of, it's a big blur now, really. It all just kind of happened within the course of a couple months. And I just met a lot of people who made music and heard a lot of new music. And it was just... (laughs) Very much all at
0: once, yeah, and so those so the the thing that sort of did the thing that attracted you to the fandom was the idea of a musical community I think so. Um, hmm,
1: that's a good question because it, it wasn't just that that attracted me to it, like I did genuinely enjoy the show when I watched it, of course, um, I actually, to be honest, didn't really know that fandoms were really a thing back then like
0: this is 2010 internet um, as well
1: yeah um yeah i i knew that obviously like trekkies were a thing but i thought they were a, a joke that just people made fun of and other than that i was not really based in any fan clubs or anything like that and then i realized that there's this big internet scene for this show and i'm like hmm that's oddly specific and yeah <laughs> it was very enjoyable honestly but yeah i
0: don't remember what exactly pulled me there if it was any one thing or just the whole moment yeah yeah um and so those early fan sites you were talking about are you talking about things like my little remix um exactly yeah, yeah right um do you remember a lot of the early competitions like the toast beards and the remix wars and stuff <clears throat> yes very fondly especially the toast Beards. like obviously the remix
1: wars were uh, far between each one and uh just you know like a couple big deals a year but the Toastbeards ran every week sometimes in between um and it was a very close-knit group of friends so yeah the Toastbeards are like way up there and in my fondest memories of the fandom
0: but just for the the members of the audience uh like myself who may have joined uh, much later can you walk us through the, the Toastbeard concept?
1: Sure can. Um, so Toastbeard was set up by a friend of mine called Sai, and then later run by a few other people. It is essentially a little, I guess you could call it a website. Um, it was a pretty much just a web page in which every week a challenge would be posted. And it was typically that week's episode of MLP. And the idea is all the musicians come in, they read the challenge on whatever day it was, I guess it was Saturday, um, whenever an episode aired. And it had finished, and then we'd see it, and it'd be like, okay, the challenge this week is remix something from this. And then you would have one week until the next uh, Friday, I think, or the night before the episode, to just make some music. And then on that uh, last day, everyone would get their submissions in, and we'd all uh, group up in an IRC chat and synchronize, listen to them. And it was all like very, very fun. Everyone would react in chat and things like that. And uh, it was just very, very friendly. And then at the end you could uh, use the website to cast a vote on your top five and the winner gets nothing, but
0: it's fun. So it sounds a lot like it's a bit of an incubator for people to just really develop their skills in that sort of amateur setting without too much pressure absolutely it
1: it really felt like absolutely no pressure because it was just among friends and obviously people from outside the friend group would occasionally come in and make stuff but they would just be welcomed with open arms so like anyone can come in and you just make stuff and everyone reacts positively and it's just it was a wonderful place um i really think it it helped spur pony music uh in the early days for sure because so much good stuff was born in there and everyone knew each other
0: yeah yeah i've had many many people talk about you know just 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 how how, how important it was the, to support each other mm-hmm. in in the development of their skills in those early times all right let's talk about music so the first track you released was a winter wrap-up remix Um, What have you found most inspiring from the show uh, for your songs?
1: (sighs) That's a good question. Um, So a lot of my early work especially wasn't really made using the songs themselves. It would be like catchy sound bites when the characters would say things. Like (laughs) if someone said something perhaps a little bit rhythmically or... uh, I don't know. Something was particularly isolated from the music behind it and gave clean sampling material. Um, then I would just, on the day of seeing an episode, be like, "Hmm, I'll remember that and go like chop it up and throw it into something." Um, as far as like the show directly inspiring my music, I wouldn't actually say a lot of that really happened. Um, like the the music you hear in the show is not something that I would typically make um it really was just like oh i like these characters i like the things they say um just the sort of it was more i guess the vibe uh inspired a lot of it just like this is cool this is happy this is goofy and fun i want to make goofy and fun things yeah that <laughs> hard question to answer
0: really yeah yeah it's it's a big one and yeah but on the, on the, I think that's a perfect segue to talk about She's a Pony because that is a track, uh, <laughs> that is a track that basically just samples a, a, sing, a single catchy line, um, yeah. from the show. Um, and I pretty sure it's, I mean, for me personally, that was the way that I found out about Mumble. Um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people talked about it. Do you remember what you were thinking when you were making that for the first time?
1: Um, <sighs> I can vaguely remember it. It was a Toastbeard thing.
0: There we go. Um,
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it was for that week's episode. I don't think it was. I think it was a random Toastbeard challenge. Just like make something themed with pirates, I think it was. Um, yeah, the Toastbeard theme, I believe that week was just pirates. Because um, it was in between seasons. And so... Yeah, that sort of led me to make this little sea shanty thing, which is like the first half of it. And I was just mostly doodling, not really thinking where this is going to go. And then, um, have you heard of the band Ale Yes. Yeah. They're a pirate metal band. Yes. That's correct. Um, back like in their very early days, they had a song called No Quarter, which I don't remember most of it, but halfway through the, like, the, uh, the bridge was just like it suddenly goes into da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and I thought it was just really cool how they threw that in without like caring at all. So I was like, how can I do exactly that? And so that's what led me to try and incorporate it. And um yeah, I made the little instrumental and I was like, well this isn't really pony music anymore. Uh so we're just remixing parts of the Caribbean. yeah pretty much (laughs) and so i was like hmm can i make this pony in any way and this would have been i guess one of my first forays into retuning vocals um into like a different key and i took the you know the grand galloping gala little line that pinky sings and just tried repitching it it worked way better than expected and it synced up way better than expected (laughs) it was just a stroke of luck and then on the night where everyone sync listened, you know, everyone was uh, listening to the track and they were like, yeah, this is cool, this is cool and stuff, and then it starts building up into the Pirates of the Caribbean bit, and they're like, huh, and then the vocals kick in and everyone just loses it, (laughs) that is like one of my favorite moments of Toastbeard, just seeing everyone lose it, that (laughs) when that happened for the
0: first time, it was euphoric. Oh, fabulous. All right. Well, that's, I think, uh, the best description of the track we're going to get, but let's give it a, a listen in full. Um, this is She's a Pony, uh, It was eventually released on the album "Klop" from 2012. All right, that brings back some memories.
1: Yeah, it was the uh, first time I've listened to that all the way through in a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is really diving deep into nostalgia and and looking <laughs> looking through everyone's different catalogs. Um, so a lot of people would know your version, but I think more people would probably know the Glaze version as well. Is that a, a, I another... I think so too. Uh, yeah, the the YouTube view count says so as well. Um, is it is that is that another case of um the Living Tombstone writing Discord? Uh yeah, it would seem so, wouldn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah. Although um I'd say the the original Discord has definitely like uh still got a big place in people's hearts, even if the other has more like uh, I guess mainstream viewing. I know my my wife got into the fandom from hearing the uh remix of Discord not even realizing it was a pony song. So <laughs> it's a, it's a, um, a common story. <laughs> uh yeah, I guess it's one of those things isn't it? Like it it's just uh it's it's a, definitely a more accessible version the remix. So like I can understand why it has the views it has.
0: Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, your one's almost at a million. Um it just the the absolute scale. I mean, did you think when you released this in your toast beard that you were going to have a song with 800,000 views on YouTube?
1: Hell no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I thought that was, you
1: know, those were silly numbers, especially back then. Like, um, yeah, those those numbers were saved, like, entirely for just viral videos and things like that. Like, I never thought anything like that would even get, like, more than a thousand or two. Like that's that's how much of a sapling I was back then. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So today we're going to talk mostly about um general mumble tracks and that, but I do want to touch on mumble etc. Um. So mm-hmm. you've said before that the inspiration for mumble etc. was uh, Lapfox tracks, uh, which is a, a sort of like a virtual label with uh one person having multiple aliases in in the same label. Um, when did that start? Um, and why did you start cracking along with that? Um,
1: so yeah, once I got into this fandom uh, and met a few people, that's when I started hearing about Lap Fox tracks, uh, just through forums and people recommending other music. And uh, <laughs> it took me a minute before I caught on that there was like multiple artists within this uh, one artist uh, you know under one like fake label kind of thing and i thought it was really cool and i i got like really into their music but uh i did eventually like at some point branch off and make a couple extra uh, aliases not really thinking too hard about you know doing my own version of that um i made the general minblo thing just for okay i'm going to make some crap today here's a funny name <laughs> <laughs> um and then, uh, yeah, some I made the Damien alias for darker, heavier stuff because I felt like it would be just completely you know not fitting for the rest of the things I made, so I separated those two, but I still wasn't really thinking until like twenty thirteen or fourteen, I can't remember which it was that I thought, okay, I'll just rip this idea off and do my own version of it um because again, not because I thought, okay this is an idea that will get me clout and it's zany and interesting. It was just like, I really like that. I think it's kind of inspiring that if I have these, if I have lots of different characters with their own stories, then they can, that would shape their music, as well as just letting me be able to make, you know, more of a shotgun spread of genres. It would give them personalities and things like that. So... Yeah, like the inspiration definitely came from Lapfox, but um it really did just sort of like the idea buried itself in my head as just a really good idea and something I wanted to make my own. So, yeah, that that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you've absolutely made it your own. Um the amount of people that I still hear that think that all of your aliases are different people. Um I mean, um, I was I, I was listening to uh The Keeping Fragile Magic podcast that you were on a couple of months ago and Mm. uh yeah just hearing them just like oh how's it what's it like running a label um it reminds me a lot of um of the the gorillas where it's almost like you know each of the people in the in the band quote unquote has their own personality and their own style um Mm -hmm. and then and then you hear that in the in the tunes um yeah yeah so that's been awesome and so now you co-run that with koa correct Um, and we're going to talk more about, um, uh, the later, later history and also talk about, um, your relationship with Koa and how that's influenced your music, um, towards the end of the show. Um, but keeping it, keeping it in the 2012 vibes, um, the first convention you attended was Buck in 2012. Is that right? No. Oh, okay. Uh, The first convention I attended would have been BronyCon, I think. Oh wow! Um, so you were at you were at the first BronyCon.
1: I think it might have been the second. Oh, the second. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, there was that very small one, wasn't there? Um. Oh the yeah, one, yeah, yeah. The the meetup. Yeah, yeah. I oh well, I don't know.
0: Yeah, sure. We can fact, way, we can fact check in, that it later. It was in twenty twelve. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It was it was a uh, BronyCon in twenty twelve in New Jersey. And so at that time, you weren't performing. Um, Did you have any aspirations to perform after going?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, I didn't even see any performances at the 2012 BronyCon, or did I? Yeah, yeah, I did for like 20 minutes. I sat with Glaze, and he was very tired, and we watched them from (laughs) a distance. But um, that, that sort of seemed like way above me. Like, I didn't even see myself possibly being
0: up on a stage doing stuff like that so I hadn't really thought about it to be honest and so you didn't think about it then you did you think about it at Bach the, the first Bach
1: <clears throat> I well I had to um because I was asked to <laughs> yeah yeah um, so I sure did have to think about it. it it came up uh kind of by surprise like I was asked to perform there um and I was like wow um hearts racing at like you know three times as fast as it should uh (laughs) i didn't really know what i was doing but yeah i had had to
0: yes and so you come from a background of studio production rather than live performance um so i i'm assuming you learned to uh perform uh for buck uh
1: pretty much because like um here's a uh (laughs) Not too secret, secret. I didn't really uh, do much in terms of music at Buck. I just pre-made a thing, had some effects over it that I would twiddle around with, and so I pretty much had to perform. Otherwise, I was literally doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, 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 you <laughs> so like you weren't the first, and on. you wouldn't be the last. Hmm. <laughs> um. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't want to cheat my way through it. Like it's, it's not really been something I've kept secret. It's just, I didn't know how to DJ. I didn't really have the time to learn how to DJ, nor did I really want to like, I don't know. I wanted to do something that was just more of a uh, performance about stage presence rather than like uh, calculated um, mixing and things like that. Cause that part scared me. And I thought if I can just dance around on the stage and wiggle my butt that would be more fun so that's
0: what i did (laughs) and how did you feel uh the reaction you got was did it did it did it feel inspiring did it make you want to do it more yes
1: uh it did uh it made me want to come back next year which uh, i was gracefully allowed to um the reaction was way more positive than i expected uh for the first one um despite the fact that i you know was just sort of cheesing it it got a very positive response from both my producer friends and just people in the audience so yeah it was it was very much a uh pump of energy for the next time gorgeous
0: all right let's play another track from that era um you recently remastered uh gator in the tub um mm. what was it like revisiting that and also how do you feel about revisiting your old work in general
1: <clears throat> um it's fun uh <laughs> so I listened back on a lot of my old stuff and uh, now because I've been making music in the the pony scene for 11 years, uh, or 10 years, 11 years, whatever, um, listening to stuff back then, I can't help but have a bit of a critical ear because I've got new habits and new skill sets and things like that. So I just thought, okay, well, this is the first song I did with vocals uh, in the pony scene let's just redo the vocals and give it some new mixing. Uh, it was really fun to revisit. um i'm glad i could open the file. <laughs> yeah. Uh, i want to do it i want to do it for some other things that at least contain vocals and such as well but i don't know when i'll do that.
0: all right. um so let's play Gator in the top. originally released in i think 2012 um, or 2011? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 2011. On the album, eventually released on the album Spikezilla. Um, This is Gator in the Tub and the 2021 remaster.
1: And you soak off the mud I tell you it's been a while Your purple skin evokes a gummy smile
0: is Gator in the Tub. Uh, so nice to hear that song with a new coat of paint. Um, I think the it's the original has aged surprisingly well, but um, just with a with a with a remaster, it just sounds like a brand new song.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Um, so Brony Musical Hater um, asks, um, what's the inspiration <laughs> for making your more cursed material? Because you've you've never been one to shy away from um more like shit posty mashcore stuff but also from mm-hmm. uh inspiration from the more darker elements of the fandom whether it's in your halloween albums um or just i don't know the the the, the stuff that that might not really fit within the context of the show um it, it seems like it's it's something you've come back to again and again why is that
1: um I don't know I just don't really take things super seriously like <laughs> um I don't really want to paint this image of myself like super serious or you know um unable to just let go and do something dumb like I don't know I've I've always had a stupid sense of humor since I was a kid um that's never particularly grown up so I don't see why I shouldn't express that in music sometimes <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know I I don't really I guess I don't care if people find my sense of humor funny or not Like, um, and it's, it's certainly shaped a lot of things I've done, especially with friends like getting together with friends almost everything I do with them is stupid and uh, it certainly helps loosen the air when collaborating and things like that so yeah, I think just, you know, being able to let go and be stupid with your creative process sometimes is uh, it can be very freeing because you, you stop taking yourself seriously so much. And uh, I'm not saying that should obviously be everything you do. Like you wouldn't want to make something, you know, really serious and quote good and then just like put some farts in it. But it's, it's a good thing to be able to let go and do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you've I, I know you've said um, <laughs> on several occasions that you mostly make music for yourself. Uh, hmm. rather than for other people. Um, do you think that's affected your creative process as well?
1: Yeah. Um, there have been times when I've tried making things that are just uh, more of a broad appeal. And it's not like I haven't enjoyed it, but it certainly just it sucks the life out of uh, producing, for sure, for me at least. Um, obviously, there are people who really enjoy doing things like that and I'm not going to fault it. But for me, just... Being able to throw in anything I feel like, and even if it it garners more of a niche uh, listening audience, um, that's what I'd rather have instead of like, you know, lots of people who expect me to put out something of a certain type, uh, something of a certain quality. I would rather just make something and then the people that like it like it. And I don't know, that just feels more homely
0: to me, more just fun really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so on the, on the topic of, um, sort of less serious collaborations with friends and also probably some more serious ones, you've appeared on multiple compilations, um, throughout your time in Pony. Um, you've been on Balloon Mm -hmm. Party, on Pink Amina Party, um, more recently on Ponies at Dawn. Um, what have compilations offered, um, do you think to yourself and to the wider Pony fandom at large? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, I, well, okay, why Why did you apply for your first balloon party?
1: Ah, uh, well, that one would have just been because everyone was doing it. <laughs> like, uh, all of my friend group uh, musicians at the time were just like, yeah, balloon party's coming up, balloon party this, balloon party that, like, it was everywhere in our friend group. And um, I believe, like, it was just, we had to make stuff that went as hard as possible. And uh, that (laughs) would have been actually one of the times I made something that I made for others, like rather than what I wanted to really do, because uh, the theme of the balloon party at that time was, yeah, just like go hard, but the inspiration is, you know, your very 2012 dubstep. Um, So (sighs) it was kind of not something I did. Um, I think the track I made was fine, but like, I didn't have a whole lot of fun doing it. Like it has a buildup. It has a drop. It has dubstepy elements, whatever you want to call them.
0: Um, I, I think, I think the technical I, term yeah. is called wobs.
1: Yeah. That, that that would be the technical term. <laughs> 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 um, and like I don't know. I wasn't used to making that and I definitely made it for the sake of this is what we have to make here. Um, but like other compilations and things like that definitely felt a lot more free and, uh, it was nice to just sort of
0: be on one of those. Like, I don't know other than that, like just being on, it was nice. So have, do you feel like that experience with balloon party changed the way you approached compilations in the future or was it that the compilations themselves changed?
1: Yeah, I think it's that the compilations themselves changed. Um, balloon party has always been, what was always kind of not strict by any means, but, like, a little more guided in its approach, which is absolutely fine. Like, if you want a compilation of similar-sounding stuff, um, that's absolutely not a problem. And then uh, I'd say the one that freed me up a little bit more was when um, Pinkamina Party started doing their, uh, sort of parodies of Balloon Party alongside, where it was just a li- little more shit y but, like, leaning towards hardcore and just balls to the wall music and that stuff really like there was a lot less rules it was just go for it make something that really shouts um so those, those definitely opened me up after doing the balloon party stuff and made me you know just a lot more limber when it comes to compilation things
0: yeah yeah and um so more recently you've been a consistent contributor to ponies at dawn um does, has has that more just been like I'm gonna throw what I'm feeling at you, and if you'd like it, that's great.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, it, a, there's a little bit of that, but there is also a little bit of catering going on there too because uh, Ponies at Dawn is one of the more uh, strict ones when it comes to like quality of music. Um, I won't go into details, but I do know a little bit about the back end of how all that goes, and like i can't really just throw in anything yeah of um, course because they won't get accepted if it's garbage yeah um, especially have... especially
0: now not not so much in yeah. early ponies at dawn but the the behemoth mm-hmm. it's become um yeah yeah um the
1: <laughs> the first or maybe second ponies at dawn i submitted to i can't remember i submitted more than one track and one of them didn't make it um so, but that was a very sort of. Uh, I submitted one that I, I'm not going to say I knew would get in, but certainly was catered to getting in. And I submitted another one that was very experimental and tried to push their limits of what they would accept. And uh, obviously, I broke that limit. <laughs> <laughs> didn't <laughs>
0: didn't get accepted. Um, but that that's absolutely fine. Like, there's no salt there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they've they've got a sound. They know what they want to push. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's wind the clock forward a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you go to many conventions, have a lot of, like, in real life involvement with the community, sort of in the middle of the decade? um, Or was it mostly just online?
1: Yeah, I'd say that the the middle of the decade was my... um... I wouldn't say I took a break from the fandom, but like it was where I simmered down a bit. Um, most of my convention going was in the early years, so the Bronycons, the bucks, um I didn't make it to the last buck because at that point, all of my u k friends had sort of just drifted away from the fandom and stopped caring. Um, so I didn't really have anyone to go with for a start, so I didn't um. So it ended up being, the next time was in 2019, yep. with Koa, uh, when I went to Winnie City. So that was a very big break as far as uh, conventions went. And yeah, sort of in between there, I still made pony music every now and then, but obviously I uh, the community that I was in with all the musicians and such just sort of fizzled and it just wasn't as strong so anything i was making was kind of just felt very solitary
0: Mm -hmm. um did it have did it not have the um, did it not have the sort of frenetic energy you'd come to expect
1: yeah like it it didn't that's i as a result of all my friends sort of just petering out and not being in the fandom as much anymore pretty much after seasons three and four um that's when just you know the the momentum and spark of having everyone else involved around you went away and so yeah the anything i would make was probably less inspired or you know just I enjoyed it less because there was no one to share it with there was no one to bounce ideas with it was a very lonely time for a while
0: yeah yeah um, but in in the past couple yeah. of years i definitely feel like you've accelerated um Mm -hmm. and you're really back punching um both with music and live performances what's changed um in the past couple of years so in the past couple of years obviously i met koa uh in 2018
1: and we decided to start watching mlp again um because you know she was uh somewhat interested in it uh hadn't watched all of it um decided to just you know catch up and get back into the later seasons and things like that um and then we got sort of just back into making music for it and we've found a whole new group of friends who are still making music in the community and just settled in with them and now the magic is back kind of so yeah now that we have this new group of uh friends that we can just bounce ideas off of and make music with it's kind of like it never ended, I guess, like that part in the middle of just, well, I'm glad it didn't stay that way. And it's been very inspiring and uplifting to just sort of have these feelings again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts on why that changed? Like, do you, like why you found the group again? Um, like, or, or a different group of people to work with. Um, do you think it's, Uh, a statement of the fandom at large or just that you just found a crowd that you hadn't known about before
1: yeah um it's hard to say really it 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 was very much a gradient from sort of not being in the friend group to being in a friend group like it wasn't an instant moment where people found us or we found them it was kind of just like hey we're back on the pony music scene and then some more people started talking to us i I don't remember um i'd say discord has been like you know the program has been a wonderful <laughs> gate- <laughs> have to clarify um has been a wonderful gateway into just being friends with more people because you know as you attend servers for conventions or uh, gigs or just small friend groups and they invite you in like obviously then you're just talking to lots of people again and that's how it all came back i think i'd say discord is one of the big proponents
0: interesting i haven't thought about that before but that's a pretty logical hypothesis all right Hmm. um so you met koa in 2018 um in Mm -hmm. the short time since um you now co-run mumble etc with her um you've run you've produce more more songs than i i can count um and you've gotten married um mm-hmm. what was that Do you feel like that's that that as well having that sort of person to consistently collaborate or bounce ideas off um has helped with your process hell yeah like <laughs> i I will try my
1: best to never take it for granted just like how fortunate I am to be with someone who does what I do with just as much passion. Um, It really is just like... It's one of those things where if it were gone, I would really really feel it. (laughs) Because, yeah, just being able to bounce ideas off each other all the time and just be like, hey, do you want to just quickly do this for me do you want to quickly feature here do you want to do this do you want to do that do you think this is good do you blah 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 like that's happening all the time on a very personal level and it's like it's hard to explain just now that I have it I don't really know what it would be like if it was gone but I certainly would not want it to be Um, but like yeah I couldn't really ask for a better collaborative partner on music or life
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it's, it might be hard to explain, but I, as, as someone watching from the outside, I can definitely see it. Like it, Mm -hmm. it, it shows in, in your music and your art and Koa's art. Um, just like the connection you share. I think, I think it's beautiful. Um,
1: uh, one thing I'd like to add to that, actually, um, I think one of the biggest things that Koa has helped with is live performance for me. Um, Because as I said, like the cons I went to back in the day, I very much just sort of uh, danced around on stage like an idiot, played around with some effects, and that was about it. Um, When we did performances in cons together uh, in the next or in the last few years, um, we have focused very much on just the fact that we don't want to DJ; we want to perform stuff. So let's really make that our own, and so that has also shaped my musical production to trying to make things with more vocals in it of my own because that's something you can very easily perform on stage um whereas if you don't have those you're just dancing with some music and so i've wanted to make more vocal music and i've wanted to perform more vocal music so that has certainly shaped both performance and production for me
0: yeah and how did you find um firstly uh performing at uh winnie city and trotcon in 2019 but also how did you find Uh, Being in the audience, did it feel different to those early conventions you went to? Yeah, it definitely
1: felt different. Um, Performance-wise, at first it was very scary. It was my first time in Winnie City uh, performing in many, many years, like five years or something. And I didn't really know what to expect, Um, but it was being in the audience for it helped because it was a very sort of like, compared to BronyCon and Buck, a more subdued atmosphere. Um, what would it be? Smaller conventions than the both of those. Uh, it was very personal, very nice. Just sort of like, you know, a small ballroom kind of space. Uh, and it, it was nerve wracking, but it was very fun and it was very cozy. And you felt very close and intimate to the audience um with both that and trotcon so that was what made them different and i think i prefer that if
0: i'm honest okay fair enough all right um so we've been talking a fair bit about your recent productions and koa so let's play uh, bliss out uh featuring koa from ponies at dawn ignite do you have anything to say about this one uh i'm sure i can think of a weed joke (laughs) what the the the, the, the top the top comment on the ponies at dawn video is this is the best advertisement for weed i've ever heard yeah Um... (laughs) couldn't say it better all right let's let this one play out (laughs) all right Smooth as fuck. <laughs> All right, let's put the let's put the big retrospective hats on. Um where do you feel like you'd be as a musician and as a, a person more generally without pony?
1: Ooh, good question. Um No idea.
0: Next question. Um <laughs> no uh... <laughs>
1: That is a great question. So, okay, like, my introduction to the Pony fandom was also eventually my introduction to the furry fandom, which I'm not as far into. But my first instinct was to say, well, maybe I'd be there. Um, But maybe I wouldn't, because without Pony, that wouldn't have happened either, maybe. Or I might have found a different way in. Um, I don't know. I would probably try to keep making music, but like... I don't know if I'd have all the inspiration I have now, what with the furry fandom letting me have different characters or, you know, the pony fandom just giving me reasons to make music all the time. So it, that's really hard to
0: answer. And and you got into pony pretty young, right? Like early 20s? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's...
1: Um...
0: So, so it's been a- 2011, so 21. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a pretty formative part of your adult life, I guess, which is- Probably one of the mm-hmm. reasons why it's a hard one to answer. Um, do you have any proudest accomplishments um, in the fandom?
1: I mean, yeah, I guess they would just be some of the songs I've made, but like off the top of my head, that's another tough one. Like, I have so many babies that, like, which one is uh, my favorite? <laughs> um, which baby am I proud of? <laughs> just, I, I guess, just sort of having like a level of notoriety or you know some niche popular corner of the fandom like i know i'm not the biggest name in the fandom by any means uh back even like back then or now but like, it's nice to sort of populate a corner of slight weirdness and i think i'm just generally proud of that like i don't know the the community that I have like on discord or whatever is fairly tightly knit. And, uh, I guess it just goes to show that like the, the people that like the stuff I make enjoy a nice spread of music and like I do. So yeah, to sort of har- harbor some fans like that and just generally be known for not settling down in any one genre is something I'm very proud of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you've, You've built the portfolio that gives you the fans that are dedicated enough that they are not electro fans or metal fans. They are general mumble fans. Um, I think that's a real yeah. test, a real testament to any creator um, when when you sort of build that personal fan base rather than I don't know body of work fan base. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's the reward that comes with just doing your own thing, and I guess the the flip side of that is that like it it will grow slower probably but you know you don't get that sort of mainstream appeal but y- you get the appeal of like being a lot tighter and closer knit
0: yeah absolutely, absolutely. um so one of the uh one of my final questions is um why <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm gonna f I'm gonna say why are you still here? Um but like why <laughs> why why do you think you've kept cracking along with Pony and what do you think the future holds for General Mumble? It's all about the clout, and that's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here.
1: Um I, I don't dunno, it's just fun. Yep. <laughs> I never wanted to leave, um, so and I never really wanted to sort of like fizzle out a little bit in the middle. So the fact that it's come back is just why I'm still here is because it's still going and it's still fun. Fuck yeah. So yeah, like just, you know, like I said, finding that new uh, friend group and new people who are working on stuff has just been such a great drive and it's just great to be there again. Um, as far as the future goes, I don't know. I'm very much a take it every day or each day at a time kind of person so like i don't know Uh, i'd like to have something break through again and like pull some numbers like it did in the early days but i don't really mind that it doesn't just as long as as long as i can keep doing this um and keep working on creative projects and just even slowly just making a living off of it and just do that that's all i really want to do so
0: yeah awesome and um yeah. I think that just about covers it. Um, thank you very much for your time. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, uh, well, there's the website, mumble, Um, that should lead you to most places, but obviously, uh, I have a Twitter, which is just general mumble. Uh, my wife has a Twitter slash coa or at co Um, Twitter is our most active place. Uh, and we have a Discord server, which uh,
0: pff, you can find it on our Twitters. And I, I want to say as well, um, you've got an excellent wiki uh, for Mumble Etc. Um, uh, yes, <laughs> that is. I, I don't know if it's been updated in a while, but um, if anyone is ever looking to investigate the lore of all of your characters or look at the background behind your albums. Um, it's a really good resource, um, especially for someone with as complicated a body of work as yours. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that you've put the effort into uh, creating a site like that, um, I, I, I'm, I'm personally really grateful for because it makes my job researching a lot easier. But I think, uh, yeah, it just it it speaks to a level of dedication um, mm. that is 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 you know fucking good on ya.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you think so. Like, it means a lot to hear that,
0: honestly. Like, (laughs) the wiki has definitely been a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. The final question I have. Iron Curtain Mm -hmm. asks, why do they call it (laughs) when you of in the cold food and out hot eat the food?
1: See, I saw this on Twitter and I wish I had, like, memorized a response for it. (laughs) fuck off iron
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, and that is as good place to leave it as any thank you everyone for tuning in to the brony music history podcast for another week i'm so sorry it's been a while between drinks but um i've been battling health issues and lockdown malaise but i'm feeling better than i have um in a long long time um so we'll be back cracking on soon interviewing more guests and uncovering more gems from the history of the Brony fandom Thanks and good night. This is Rob Fox signing Bye. out.